Well, here it is. It's another Saturday morning. It means it is time for the Cummins Real Estate Group show. And, of course, with me is local realtor rock star Michelle Cummins. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Curious. How are you this fine Saturday? I am doing well. How about yourself? I'm very good. Thank you. So I wanted to ask you, have you done, like, a dream vision board ever? No, you brought that up a while back, and uh, I still haven't done it. Oh, well, I was going to actually have some girlfriends over, and we were going to do it, like, last week, and then one of them one of them got sick, so we pushed it off to, to today, and then somebody else got sick, so we pushed it off till next weekend, and I'm like, don't anybody else get sick. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Maybe this is the problem. Maybe this, this whole project is cursed and you need to start from scratch. It's not good putting off your dreams and your goals and your vision. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> no, but it's 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 crazy how everybody seems to be sick. Everyone I know seems to just be getting sick, getting over being sick. They're about to get sick. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's not let's not. I don't want to get sick, so let's not. You know, don't curse me. Well, you know, tis the season. It is winter. It is yes. you know the cold and flu season. Absolutely. <laughs> So, uh, do you have any investments in cryptocurrency? Uh, I barely have any investments that aren't in cryptocurrency. How can I afford anything in crypto? <laughs> oh, Curtis. My investment not. is my home. <laughs> and that is the best investment. Uh, my my actual pops, as I call him, my dad, uh, he has, uh, he he's always such a, like, forward thinker. Right when they came it came out, you know, he did a little here, a little there. I mean, not much, but, you know. And um, so I chat with him about it and this and that. I've never done it because Richard's like, no, no, we don't want to get into that. And uh, so, but you know what? I was chatting with a mortgage broker and saying, you know, what's up with this cryptocurrency and, and buying real estate? So, because, you know, we haven't seen it really in our area, but, uh, you know, cryptocurrency, to, you'd be interested. Uh, people have used it to buy real estate, but not in the typical sense that you think that they're just going to, uh, buy property and oh here's my cryptocurrency account or whatnot uh, it, or transfer it to the to the seller. I uh, know uh, what they usually do is sell their cryptocurrency. You got to find somebody to buy it and uh, then with they yeah, deposit the money in their account and then they use that money obviously to purchase real estate. So it it, it came from it, but it's it's not what they actually use to buy real estate. Uh, but she warned to make sure you have a proper paper trail of when you bought it and what the value is and when you sell it. Don't sell it before you have documentation, she says. A lot of people have made that mistake. Um, that's been a huge for people. Uh, and this mortgage broker and advisor, who is Jessica Oates of Dominion Lending, gave me this advice the other day. Uh, she said, otherwise the bank can't see where all your money came from and a proof of deposit into your account is not good enough. They actually want to see where did this money come from that you deposited in your account. So you have to have proof of when you sold it. Um, and you should have proof of when you bought it as well. Always keep a paper trail in everything in life. That's good <laughs> advice. That's real good advice. Yeah. Don't kill the trees, but, but please keep a paper trail. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, okay. So I wanted to chat about, um, you know, unfortunately there. Death it happens in our lives. It is inevitable. If you live, you you will eventually die. Speak for I'm, yourself. <laughs> I'm going to live forever somehow. 
I'm glad you're keeping it uh, lighthearted. I haven't quite figured it out, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> the Tree of Life or uh, what's that? There's got to be some secret potion. That's right. Well, the the, the, the uh, Fountain of Youth. I'm still looking for it. Fountain of Youth. I heard it's in Florida somewhere. I'm, I'll have to go down and have a look. <laughs> yes. So what happens when a party to a contract involving real estate dies? Hmm. Well, what happens when an individual buyer or seller dies prior to the completion of a transaction involving real estate? You wonder what could happen. Well, at common law, a contract may be discharged or set aside on the ground of frustration where an unforeseen event renders the contract physically or commercially impossible to fulfill. Courts have considered whether the death of a party to a contract for a real estate transaction amounts to frustration of the contract but have held that the contract will only be frustrated if there is some personal aspect of the deceased that was central to the contract. So hear ye, hear ye, you know, hear this. In a 1996 case called Butterfly or Butterfield versus Todd Estate, the deceased had entered into an agreement with the plaintiff to jointly purchase a property and share the mortgage and maintenance payments. The executor of the deceased's estate refused to fulfill the deceased's obligation under the contract. Well, the British Columbia Court of Appeal held that the estate was obligated to pay the deceased's share of the purchase price of the property and to share mortgage and maintenance payments. Well, these were financial obligations of the deceased that were not something that only he was capable of performing personally. So given the... Uh, the case, um, in most other cases, if a seller or buyer dies prior to the completion of a real estate transaction, then the obligation to complete the transaction on behalf of the deceased falls to their executor and is not extinguished by reason of such death. There may be a delay to the completion of the transaction while an executor or administrator is recognized to administer the deceased's estate. Such a delay may be particularly problematic if the transaction is part of a land assembly, as the entire land assembly and redevelopment process could be stalled. And I have a few land assemblies right now, and I'm working on another one in Chilliwack putting it together. And uh, there there are multiple. There's eight in one. There's three in another. There's six in another. You know, there's, five, uh, I think, seven in another one. So there's multiple owners. And, you know, you never know. This, this can be an issue. So um, best to be prepared and know what may happen. So in British Columbia, our beautiful uh, province here. One way to minimize the delays caused by the death of a seller is to apply to court on an urgent basis for a limited grant of administration, allowing the applicant to deal specifically with the land under contract rather than any other aspect of the deceased's estate. The, provinci- the provisions of the Wills, Estates, and Succession Act give the courts the jurisdiction to grant this type of relief. To obtain a limited grant like this, the applicant must show that there are special circumstances, that such an appointment is necessary, and that it does not prejudice the interests of the beneficiaries of the deceased estate. So this is why you would always want to speak with a lawyer on your behalf. You always want to be very communicative. You communicative. You want to make sure you let them know everything that's happening. Don't hold out any information that you may think, oh, you know, some people just don't know that the more you talk, 
the more you say, the more things are revealed that could help you, especially when you're talking with your professional. So talk with your lawyer if anything like this should should come up or it, if there's a possibility of it. But if, if you didn't know and who knew that this is the wills, estates of and secession act, you know, was available and and this this could help in that state. So thought I would give that advice. And on uh, when we actually uh, we're going to go on a break in a little bit, but when we come back, um, we're going to talk about how every stage of real estate development adds value. And there's quite a few stages and very interesting information. Uh, even if you aren't that kind of a mindset, good to know, good information here on our show. Now, if you have uh, all of our listeners, if you have, and Chris, of course, uh, you, yourself as, as well. Now, if you have a local business or you're an entrepreneur, I am actually wanting to help and support our local businesses on entrepreneurs. Anybody in commission sales, such as myself, as I understand commission sales, or in charge of growth at your company, uh, if you're wanting growth, whatsoever in what you do and what you are helping this world with and you're sharing with this world, then contact me. I would love to help you. So just wanted to put that out there. Do you know anybody uh, in in um, the either early stages of growth? Um, I'd have to think about probably. <laughs> I just off the top of my head, nothing's coming to mind, but I'm sure I do. Yeah, I know. I know. Exactly. It's like go through your contact list and go, okay, who... Who, who, like, uh, from A to Z, uh, and, 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 and look at who may, who may, uh, need help. So, and I put it out there because, you know, I have a lot of contacts and, and I'm, I'm going to them thinking, okay, who, who can I help? Who can I support? How can I share? You know, help each other out. Uh, and, and so definitely if anybody knows anybody, uh, feel free to reach out either social media. I got my Facebook business page. Instagram, LinkedIn, but mostly Facebook business page and Instagram is where I'm at or Twitter or whatnot, but I'm not on TikTok yet. Well, I am, but, you know, I haven't done any videos yet. Well, I mean, there's got to be something there. I've seen some TikToks of, of like, real estate agents, like, you know, you know, falling into swimming pools and stuff like that because I've had a bad day. Falling in? You mean jumping in? I would just jump in. Well, this is true. Uh, both. I mean, some jump in. Some just kind of keep walking and face plant into the pool. Jessica owes the mortgage broker I mentioned earlier with that uh, advice about cryptocurrency. She actually has the TikTok, and she she does little reels. She does little videos. She said she was going to do one next week. Uh, I forget what it was about. It was it was going to be a funny one. Something about obviously mortgages. <laughs> Something about you know what they should oh oh the interest rates are they're talking about going up on the 26th of this month and uh what should i do should i, should I lock in they're going to go up eight <laughs> percent and it's just like they never go up eight percent all all at one time no. like that <laughs> oh but they are chatting about that and uh we'll see they talked about it in june they're going to do it and in october probably a quarter percent each time and usually that's all they go up at a time they don't go up drastically fast but uh there is word on the street that it might go up even on the 26th when they meet so we'll find out next week on the show all right well we should probably take a break now if people want more information about what you do as a realtor where can they go michellecummins.ca. We're back with more right after this.
Cummins Real Estate Group show with Michelle Cummins and myself, Curtis Pope. Now, we've already teased, we call that a tease in the biz, uh, our topic for the second segment, so we should probably get into it. How every stage of a real estate development adds value. That's the one. That's the one. So, there are typically four distinct stages in a real estate development project. So, if you're in the beginning stage you're in the second stage, third or fourth stage, or maybe you're just in the beginning stage and jump to the fourth stage or you're going in at the fourth. Anyways, at each stage, a developer must decide whether to spend their time and money and take on the risk to increase the property's value or monetize their investment and sell to another group of investors. If the developer chooses to see the project through to the fourth stage, a fully developed project like commercial properties often sold to an income-producing property operator, such as a REIT, R-E-I-T, that is. Let's look at how each stage adds value to a development project. As mentioned on the first session, um, I have a few land assemblies at the beginning stage. I've gone in and had the PAR meeting, which is a preliminary assessment uh, meeting with the city that the uh, properties are in and see what the best use is, bring that to the city. They've internally looked at it with all their um, uh, areas, such as planning department, engineering department, and, and, and the like. And then they have the meeting all together, and they, they, they all speak about their uh, specific parts of the development and what it looks like and how they either agree with it or they'd like to see some changes. And then, of course, they will send you an official letter, usually two to three weeks later, and therefore you've started the first process of the development stages. So, stage one, land baking. <laughs> land banking. Did I say baking? I think you did say land baking, but, you know, maybe you're hungry. I was just going to say, I haven't had my breakfast yet. Maybe you need a croissant or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> Ooh, yum. The Core Cafe makes extremely wonderful ones. He was a French baker, comes from France, and he... And he brought in this little, small, little bakery, little business, coffee shop and bakery, and he makes, mm, they're so good. Anyways. Now I've got you completely sidetracked thinking about French baking. It's true. We do not have the greatest attention spans on this show, just so people know. I'm going there after this. (laughs) Okay. Stage one, land banking. There we go. (laughs) The land bankers pursues and buys undeveloped land they believe will be attractive for developers. When the market conditions are right, the land banker sells to a land packager. The land banking stage and the redevelopment stage are the same except that the land banker usually has greenfield, so undeveloped land, and the redeveloper has brownfield, previously developed land that is not currently in use. So that means. So stage two... Land packaging. The land packager improves the land value through conceptual land planning, zoning changes, financial schemes, or other paper enhancements like title insurance, accurate surveys, or environmental studies. Stage three is land development. The land developer buys the land with the paper enhancements from the land packager and improves the land to sell as finished building pads to a building developer. This usually involves the construction of infrastructure such as roads and utilities and common improvements such as stormwater retention ponds and recreational 
facilities. A good example of the land development stage are master plan community developers who construct the roads, utilities, and recreational amenities, and then sell building lots to home builders. Stage four, building development. The building developer buys the finished pad from the land developer and then does the vertical development by constructing the land, the building improvements. During construction, the building developer may also attempt to lease the building so the finished building can be sold to the develop, uh, the building operator. Home builders are a good example of building developers. From an investor's perspective, each of the stages will have its own risk and return profile that is highly dependent on the particulars of each individual development project. Development project cash flows are irregular by nature and don't usually pay out consistent distributions to their investors. Unless an investor is willing to tie up their investment for the length of the development project, they may prefer to get their development exposure through a more comprehensive investment vehicle that bundles real estate development exposure with other asset classes that do pay regular distributions. So there. There, those are the four stages, but, uh, and as I always, when I'm putting together land assemblies to sell to a developer for either all these stages or, um, second stage is, is I, I let all, all the owners know that you could build up the equity and the value of your property by doing some of these steps yourself. In essence, you could develop your own land, either subdivide or have that car meeting put in the application for the okay. rezoning, going through all the engineering and, and environmental studies and doing what you have to do, following the city's guidance on, on the rezoning and, and do it yourself. Um, it takes some time. It takes some money. But at the end result is you'll make a lot more if you develop it or get it to that higher stage yourself. There's different different steps, different developers, and, of course, what they're willing to pay uh, depending on how far along your property or land assembly is. You don't always have to be a land assembly to sell to a developer. You could have a large enough parcel yourself, or it could just be a simple subdivision, and, and you have the width and the depth to be able to do that. <clears throat> so there you have it. All right, because, yeah, land assemblies are interesting because you can see when they would be, they're coming, just down Clearbrook Road up from the radio station, there is a whole bunch of houses coming down, and obviously they're going to be building, you know, multi-units and things like that, and I imagine it was probably tough for a developer without the ability to get land assemblies to put that all together. Yes, uh, it is. Sometimes it takes a long time to put them together. Others, it's, it's pretty swift, but, uh, but there's a lot to it. And there's we and we need the development. So especially if you have older houses, maybe that you know they have seen better days, <laughs> and there's not a lot of value in in the structures on the on the land. Those are perfect perfect opportunities for redevelopment and land assembling. So talking about you know building developing, there is something called passive housing. Do you know that? Uh, I know about passive aggressive housing. Oh, that's just my house. Never mind. <laughs> well, no, there's the passive house. I had a project a couple years ago, and I actually spent a couple years really learning it and looking into it. Uh, the project didn't take off, but I am so excited because the one 
passive house that actually the first one in the Fraser kind of valley uh, actually is in Murrayville, the five corners in Langley. And it's right on the property of Princess and the Pea, the bed and breakfast there. I don't know if you know it, that little inn. I've heard of it. Yeah, they do weddings and everything. So they built a passive house there and it took them a long time. But, you know, there's one. But Canada's Ken Sobel Tower, it's a tower. Uh, on the East Coast. It's certified as the world's largest residential passive house. Uh, it's, an, it's a retrofit. And, and this just came out. So exciting. So a building standard that is truly energy efficient. It's comfortable, affordable, and just it's ecological at the same time. Like passive house is not a brand name, but a construction concept that can be applied by anyone. And that has stood the test of practice. Um, passive house buildings allow for heating and cooling relative energy savings of up to 90% compared with typical building stock and over 75% compared with average new builds. And in terms of heating oil, passive house buildings are less than 1.5 liters per square meter of living space per year, far less than typical low energy buildings. Similar energy savings have been demonstrated in warm climates where buildings require more energy for cooling than for heating. I, if you don't know about what passive housing is and you're really interested in low cost living, uh, this, you could, it's pretty much off grid. It can be off grid. You have enough solar panels. You have the right thick uh, type three windows. You're facing the sun a certain way. Like there's certain things that the house is constructed like in an uh, a enclosed environment, controlled environment. It's built really pretty quick, actually, it can be. And it's just really exciting stuff. So that's a whole, the first big building that's retrofitted in Canada. Very, very neat. And uh, uh, But I want to talk about my new listings because listings are so hard to come by. There is nothing out there. Literally, it's out there. It's on the market for a certain amount of days because, you know, we always wait to look at any and all offers for, you know, at least seven days of activity on the market. And that is the way these two listings are of mine. Um, just a heads up to everyone. But I have a new listing on Cherry Avenue in Mission. It's a three-bedroom, two-bathroom, 6,000-square-foot lot, flat and fully usable. House is built in 1992. It's a 2,300-square-foot house. The basement's partly unfinished. It's walkout. It's a basement entry. So, of course, you walk out of the basement in the backyard. And we're looking at any and all offers on the 27th at 6 p.m. They should be in. So if you're in the market, have a look at it. It's on, listed at $950,000. And then I've got one in Agassiz with mountain views all around. And this baby was built in 1969. It's a 10,000-square-foot lot. It's four bedrooms, two bathrooms. It's off Pinewood Avenue. And it's almost 2,200-square-foot house. Uh, totally cute and renovated, new windows and everything. It's got AC, it's got vaulted ceilings, it's adorable. And that one's on for 975000 and we're looking at offers for that one on the 25th at 4 p.m. And I've got a quote of the week. I would it's hope you like, would. It's kind of our thing. It is our thing. Oh, and you know what? Okay, we're going to surprise the listeners next week. You're going to come up with the quote of the week. What do you think? It's about my turn. Yeah, it's been a while since I've done. Okay, I'll dig around and see what I got. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So this one I got for you is integrity is doing the right thing even when no one is watching. And that is C.S. Lewis. And oh. amazing, right? Mm-hmm. I love his, uh, obviously, books. 
converted into movies. I've read and watched Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Love that one. Miracle. Um, Mere Christianity. Love that one. The Screwtape Letters. The Great Divorce. And he's got so many. I'd love to sit down. You know when they say, who would you like, you know, if anybody in the world you could sit down and, you know, uh, discuss things with, who would you want? He's one of them. I'd love to sit down in a corner of some pub somewhere with a Guinness and have a theological discussion with, with him. That would be an interesting conversation for sure. It'd be fun. All right. Well, if people want more information about you, maybe they want to sit down in a pub, have a pint of Guinness and talk real estate. Uh, where can they go to get information about you? MichelleCummins.ca. And join us again next week when we will talk real estate in order to unlock your real estate potential on a show where real estate is maximized. Thanks for listening.